Exodus chapter 21, verse 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. That's the Lord speaking to Moses, and the them is Israel. Okay, so these all things, all these things are are delivered by God while still there at Mount Sinai. The children of Israel are, and all these things are received of Moses of the Lord. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 30 this afternoon. Begin reading, please, if you would, in verse 28. If an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall be quit. But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, then it hath been testified to his owner, and he hath not kept him in. The owner didn't make safe provision or set proper boundary. That he hath that, he, but that he, uh, the ox, hath killed a man or a woman. The ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. If there be laid on him, the owner, a sum of money, then shall he, the owner, give for the ransom of his life, whatsoever is laid upon him. I'll be speaking for a few minutes this afternoon on the, the responsibility of ownership. The responsibility of ownership. And just it seems like it's a an easy breezy lemon squeezy kind of a message, right? I mean, if I have a dog and it's it's always been tame, everything's always been fine, and then it just go out and attack somebody, well, that would be a surprise to me just as much as anybody else. They'd put that dog down, and I'd stand behind that, and we'd move on. But if I have a dog and it's not only has a tendency to have violent behavior, but some people actually promote these things to have violent behaviors and, and train animals to have violent behaviors. Now that owner being responsible for that animal, if that animal hurts somebody, the owner is just as responsible as that animal is. And So these are, these are logical things. But it's much deeper than that. It really is. It's much deeper than that. So, so, so please bear along here. First you see the accountability of the beast. Okay? So you're going to see the accountability of the beast, the responsibility of the owner, and the ransom. We're going to look at those elements. There was the accountability of the beast. So in verse 28, this is speaking in a pure sense. An animal, without a previous record, is still responsible for that death. Read it again, verse 28. If an ox grow a man or a woman, that he, they die, the man or a woman, then the ox shall be surely stoned. Death. And his flesh shall not be eaten, unclean. But the owner of the ox shall be quit. That word quit means that they won't be held responsible for that capital offense. Uh, Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. He that smited the man so that he die shall surely be put to death. But he'll be quit of it. He'll be, he won't be bound to that. Why? Because in the purest sense, this animal did not have a previous record or title or ambition of hiding, uh, hitting or bur- uh, hurting, hitting or hurting or goring, in this case, the ox, goring someone. It truly was an incidence uh, of, uh, from you know, human sense. I mean, we understand that all things work together and everything is providential in the mind of God, but, but it was an unintentional, quote, accidental thing 
uh, on man's side of things. This, this is not an ox that all had, had passions toward harm. Yeah. You know, you've heard it said, and it's true, that once an animal gets a taste for human blood, they continue in those things. But this is an animal that had no record of that whatsoever. None whatsoever. So then the owner must know the capabilities of a beast and provide reasonable protection. It, it makes sense. I mean, if I had a pet lion, I wouldn't let my pet lion run around all over the place. I, I should have fencing and guarding and protections of that lion because deep down I know it's in the nature of a lion that even tame. You can ask, uh, oh, uh, was it and Roy? One of them got bit by his pet tiger some years ago. It's reasonable for a person to know the capabilities of their animal, right? I mean, it's reasonable for me to understand that one of my dogs has a different set of capabilities than the other of my dog. So goring a person, that means this thing, this ox, it's big and it has capability of goring. So then, so then you would think at minimum some kind of fencing or protection there. This person having a reasonable responsibility of ownership would make sure that the animal is safe from humans and humans are safe from that animal based on who it is. And that's in a, in a natural sense. Fencing to keep people out and to keep the creatures in, that would be reasonable. That would be reasonable for the owner in verse 28. Indoor things staying indoor. Outdoor things staying outdoors. Diane, you don't care much for our dog, so we wait until you're in your car before we let the thing out. That's a reasonable thing to do, right? And our dog kind of knows, I think, you don't like it that much, so if we let it open, it just runs right after you. So it's reasonable for us to keep the door closed then. It's a reasonable thing for us to do. Such cases, the beast is still worthy of death. You see this. Without a previous record, if a man, if an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned. No whatabouts, no what-ifs, no second guesses. The responsibility of the owner then is to provide that, that creature protection from the public and the public protection from that creature. And if, if that thing violate those protections and do something that it has never done before, and that is hurt somebody, then they were to uh, then they would take proper action, and it would be the owner, being a responsible owner, that would lead in that thing. Should be. Casting the first stone, if you will. But the owner of it is quit. He's not responsible for that because that animal had no tendency or leanings toward that. In a state, uh, of, again, of a record of innocence, there is no, there is no reasonable... Uh, idea that uh, that if properly guarded, that this animal would hurt somebody, let alone kill him. But look at verse 29 compared to that. But, but, it, and here we see the re- true responsibility of the owner, the responsibility of ownership. But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, now this creature had a previous record. You know, if, if Lexington had a had a record of biting people. And I, and you got around him, and and you knew that. Well, part of that responsibility is you. You, you know better than to stick your hand in a, in a kid's mouth that bites people. But I would also, as his overseer, I would be responsible for not keeping him away from you. You see, here the owner has 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 a here he he knows it says he's want to do it. He has a previous record of pushing people, hurting people. 
intending upon people, and it hath been testified to his owner. So this owner had a knowledge of this previous behavior. There's no ignorance here. There's no the owner is in no wise taken off guard. The owner knows that this thing, uh, this animal, is likely to harm and has previously harmed and has been told, because in, in the law, we're going to read, it's at the mouth of two or three witnesses. So it's not just one person making a story, but it's several making a sto- uh, te- testifying that, hey, look, this thing, it's going to hurt somebody. It's going to kill somebody. And, and, he hath not kept him in. Kept him in what? Kept him in a proper restraint. Again, the illustration of a pet lion. I know what lions do. I know their nature. So if I know a lion had previously snarled or growled or roared at someone and charged them, and I didn't keep them in, well, it's not the nature of that lion that would hurt somebody. It's my ignorance and stupidity and failure as a responsible owner to protect the public from that lion and that lion away from the public. You see how here then the, the, the issue comes from, from the, the, the nature of the animal then to the responsibility of the owner. You see that? The, the, so we're not talking about animals. We're talking about the, the owners themselves and the responsibility of the owner. Because if this thing had a, a tendency to push and, and to hurt, and this thing, and the owner was told these things, and the owner did not do due diligence to keep that thing guarded or restrained, in those circumstances, that he, the ox, hath killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, same result toward the ox, and his owner also shall be put to death. Why? It was as if that owner did the very thing. You know, we discussed transferred intent a few weeks ago. Yeah. If this man or woman, the owner of this ox, knows full well the capability, and it's testified, and there's a track record and a history, and, and there's not proper restraints or mechanisms in place, proper resources in place to keep someone from getting hurt, both the offender, the animal, and that one responsible for the offender, the owner, truly has responsibility for that thing. That's, if, you, if we just say, you know what, this only applies to ox because it only says ox, then we've missed a big, a big lesson in this. I mean, I'm using the illustration of Lex biting people. He doesn't bite people anymore. But if my children were prone to certain behaviors, then to a point, as, as head of household, I am responsible to restrain them to hear the testimony of those that say, hey, your kids are out of the way, and to restrain them. It's my responsibility to do that. And lack of responsibility, then I have ownership of the consequences, or I have, at least in part, ownership of those consequences. The same crime occurs in this case. An ox is goring someone to death, but listen, the animal still bears the blame. The animal doesn't get out of it. Okay? So if Lex grows up, when he does, Lord willing, he will. He'll continue to grow. And he's a, he's a, he's a man of full value as far as men go. And then he does something. He can't say, well, 
Well, my dad, you know, he he knew what kind of person he I was, and and people told him what kind of person I was, and he didn't restrain me. So that's that's just my upbringing. No, the ox still died. That animal is still responsible for goring somebody. So you can't you can't get away with in the mind of God or in the way of society. You can't get away with stuff and say, well, my supervisor didn't properly restrain me. The animal was still put to death. You see, but if you liken this under the 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 testimony in Ezekiel chapter thirty three of that watchman, that watchman, that overseer, that one that had responsibility, he is responsible. It's not. It wouldn't be his fault if someone is is condemned unto death that they're reprobate. But that watchman did have responsibility to testify of the gospel, didn't he? Sure did. In this case, though, in verse 29, in addition to the, the, the animal bearing the blame, the owner likewise bears the fault and the blame and the penalty. Again, Exodus 21, verse 12, He that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. Well, what if this man was on vacation? What if he was in a far country? Well, if he didn't take reasonable protection, if he didn't... If that ox had a tendency to push people and gore people and there was testified unto him and, and he didn't keep him in, it doesn't matter if he was in a far country or, or riding on the back of the thing, he's still responsible as owner for not providing reasonable protections. This applies to our modern animals too, no doubt. Our dogs. You know, some people have combative fish. I don't know anybody personally that has combative fish, but, you know... Keep them restrained reasonably. If you have a combative fish or whatever and, a, and somebody comes in to visit you, don't let them stick their hand in the tank. You'll be responsible for that. Right? But by extension, we can also make reasonable continued applications. You know, I don't have an ox, but i got some automobiles. And if, if I have faulty automobiles that, that you know, it, it, it's, it's known that my car has a tendency to veer to the left, and people have told me, you know what, man, your car veers real hard to the left, and I don't do anything to do that, to fix that, and then my car veers to the left and I run head into somebody and, and kill them, I can't just say, well, my car did it, junk the car. I'm responsible for that. Because my car was wont to pull to the left, and in time past, people told me it pulls to the left, and I did not reasonably restrain it, did not correct it, did not put it in a place that it would not hurt someone. Likewise, unrestrained children hurting others. I mean, there, there's there's many examples that we could apply here. You see, there's a responsibility in ownership. There's a responsibility in headship. There's a responsibility in manhood. There's a responsibility in fatherhood and in, in, in husbandry. Uh, not with plants, but husband and wife. There's responsibilities. There are. And you see that the responsibility here is to protect society. It is. But also this man, he didn't say, it doesn't say in verse 29 that because he was one to push and he didn't kill him. It says because he was one to push and he hath not kept him. Right? I mean, so I'll keep using Lex as my example. If he bites somebody, I'm not supposed to kill him. I'm supposed to correct him and keep him from biting people. Right? You see that. So unrestrained children, unrestrained animals, ownership not properly being applied... And then harm coming, and then the owner is ultimately responsible for that. 
You see here also grace. If these things are happening, say, when we when we take off out of here, we let bail out that little multipoo, and it comes out, and it gnaws Brother Gary to death. It'd take her a while to do it, but she'd do it. And, and, and then he dies. Well, Sister Nelda says, you know what? I don't want you to die under the penalty of law, but I do have a sum. If there be laid on him a sum of money, the owner, then he shall give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid up for him. If she said $10 will do it, well, $10 would do it. If she said $100 million will do it, I said it'll take the rest of my life, but I'll do it. Whatever that sum is, the ransom for that life, that one who has a responsibility of ownership now has to pay the sum as it is laid out. And there are elements of grace and mercy built into the law. People like to go into the law and say how cruel and how cold and how how callous the law is. Every time we get into the law, I see elements of grace and mercy. It doesn't say that he has to die. It says that there's a provision for mercy out of a ransom, doesn't it? Look at verse 30 again. Read it. If there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give for the ransom of his life. Not death. Life. Whatsoever is laid upon him. But what if the cost is too great? Too great for your life? Oh, the mercy and grace that is built into the law. It's man that would rather death and recompense than to extend issues of life. If I was gored again by an ox, Sister Jill could, rather than seeking the life of the offender, could seek restitution or financial compensation, payment for her loss, including covering my income and pain and suffering and covering any debts and and children's education funding and whatever else the judges deem to be fair. Verse 22, if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. If I'm gored by next door neighbors, I'm kicked in the face by the neighbor down the road's burrow or something like that. According to the law of the land, rather than seeking the death penalty, she can say, you know what, restitution, mercy and grace be upon God is so gracious. He really is. It would be, it would be very easy for something like that to happen. Especially in an economy where, say we were farmers and nothing but. And you didn't have a team of oxen, a hundred oxen, fifty oxen, whatever... You had this one ox. And man, it wasn't a very good one either. In fact, it had an attitude problem, but it was your one ox. Say in that circumstance, you could say, oh, you know what, I, I, this thing, it's rough and it's terrible, but I'm going to keep it because it's all I got and it's all I can afford. And I'm going to put it in this fence and I'm going to put a second fence around it and the third fence around it because I can't stand it if it were to kill somebody. But then it broke out anyway and gored somebody. Wouldn't you be thankful for this provision, this provision of mercy and grace? I believe I would be very thankful. But in all these things, provisions of grace, I want you to look at these three verses again and see sweet tones of the gospel. 
And verse number one, if a gore, if an ox gore a man or woman, that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit. I want you to picture, if you would, an innocent man and woman in the garden, two that had no record of sin, two that had no record of hurt, two that had no record of any ill will or any kind of offense whatsoever. But one day in their innocence, these two people sinned, and the result of that sin was the was their death. And the day that you eat thereof, ye shall surely die. What's it say? The ox shall be surely stoned. Oh, they deserve to die. They really did. They deserve, in their innocence, by one offense, by one offense, they deserved to die. God said, and they eat it, you're going to die. Man has a record. Man has a record now because of that offense. Now, I didn't make the same offense as Adam. You can read that, Adam, in the beginning, not Adam right there. But the, I don't have this in the same, in the same order. I didn't have his same offense, but I have a record of offense. Note the responsibility of ownership here then. So as human beings, as sinners, we we do not live in verse 28 because we do have a record. I have a record of sin, and you were born with a record of sin just as much as I was. But notice the Lord's responsibility of ownership then, okay? You know, letting things slide, letting things not slide. Really let these things sink in. Man having a record of the offense has a record unto death. But if the ox were want to push with his horn and time passed, I want to say that biblically speaking, you're an ox and you are want or had occasion or persisted to push and push and push. And I'm not talking about way back in the past. I'm talking about three seconds ago in your mind. You have a record. In Romans chapter 5, if you would please turn there. Romans chapter 5. And I really want you to hear these these elements here. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sinned into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, every last stinking one of us, has a record of off wanting to push as that ox in verse 29. Well, this is a serious thing, isn't it? And I want you to keep the animal and the owner in your mind. And by the way, you're the animal and so am I. An evil beast, as we read in the life of Joseph. Evil beasts have torn them apart. I want you to know that the Lord has full knowledge and understanding of man's sin. Look back at our text in verse 29. But the ox were wont to push this horn of time past, and it hath been testified to his owner. There is absolutely nothing that is hidden from the mind of God. And I want you to know that too, sinner. The testimony, the testimony against you is real and it's full and nothing 
No thing has been hidden from the mind of God, the owner and possessor of all things. Here, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, consider this great and wondrous owner. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick, alive, it's alive, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest or made open, revealed in his sight. That includes you and me. But all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. What does that mean? That means the testimony of your record and behavior of sin is known unto the owner, uppercase owner, God Almighty. And I want you to notice this too. And there's no shared blame here. That says, and he hath not kept him in. Yeah. Oh, well, God didn't restrain me. He must have wanted me to do it. You fool. God has kept men in boundary. He has provided his word. Do this. Don't do that. There are reasonable God has placed reasonable protections upon mankind specifically he commanded if you would please turn to in, in, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 26 speaking of God Almighty uh, Acts chapter 17 verse 26 and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and that determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. He put them exactly where and when he wanted them to be. Exactly where and when. And setting those bounds even. Turn to Romans, if you would please, in chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Verses 14 and 15. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the, the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. What are we saying there? God, even if they had never heard the word of God or the testimony of the law of Moses, they have, God has, has kept them in, in a sense, by giving them a conscience to follow after him. And these still rebel against him. No, the owner is not to blame. Being kept, man rages, continuing in his rebellion. Man exceeds, man strives himself. He applies himself in every way to violate the boundaries. Years ago, 
Jill and I were at the Baton Rouge Zoo, and they had a big moose over there. And I was being an idiot. I was taunting that moose and making faces and sounds at it. And that moose was standing at the edge, and it was writhing and doing this kind of number. And if that moose could have flown, it would have known it could that day. It was pressing all its ability to get out of its pen and come get me. Now, I had responsibility as a, as a foolish tourist to not provoke that animal, and I was wrong for doing that. But you see, an animal here illustrated in the text picturing a sinner that will do anything it can to break the bounds that it has so set before. That animal. No, the owner. In the case of salvation, God set God set man in a perfect pen there in Eden and gave him all reasonable protection. All you have to do is behave yourself. And that track record of sin, man continues this day. Man rages in continuing in rebellion. It is not the lack of God's understanding of man's nature that causes man to sin. It's not the idea that, oh, if God just knew man's nature a little bit better, he would do a better job of keeping men from sin. No, men are sinners, and men are responsible for their sin. It's not the lack of God's knowledge of man's record that causes man to sin. It's not the lack of God's boundaries to restrain that causes man to sin. It's man's sin. Therefore, in verse 29, where it says that this man over that ox, because he didn't do what he was supposed to, he was responsible for that that ox's behavior. Well, God took all reasonable care. And it is us animals, human beings, rotten to the core, that have gored and punished and borne as we are one in time past. It's not God's fault that man sins unto death. In either of these examples, the ox bears the blame for the crime. In the scene of negligence, the owner bears the responsibility of ownership. God is in no wise negligent. He's not a negligent owner. What's that mean? Failure to take proper care in doing something. That's what negligence is. Is God negligent? Is he, would, he be, would it be right for us to say, well, God, you're just as guilty as I am for I want to push as in time past? Is God, is God to blame for my sin? We might say no out loud, but oftentimes we can, we can lay our sin at his feet. I mean, I'm using Lex again. I could go over there and slap him and say, well, if the Lord didn't want me to do that, he wouldn't have done it. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it was it, it, God desired me to do that. You see how I'm placing my sin at God's feet? Don't say because your want to sin as the ox in verse 29 that you weren't reasonably cared for by the owner. That's blasphemy is what it is. God is not negligent. We are sinful. You see this ransom here. Yes, in verses 28 and 29, an ox killed somebody and deserved to die. Verse 30, there's a ransom. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he shall be made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here the offensive creature in pure exchange was ransomed by the owner, and the owner's life himself spared. In Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs chapter 11, and verse 1, a false balance is an is abomination to the Lord. If somebody tried to offer a sum that was not equitable in verse 30, they would have died. If there be laid on him a sum of money, then shall he give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. What's the ransom of your life? What's the ransom of the life of the sinner? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What is appropriate? What is good? What can appease that one that has been offended? What is the just weight and ransom required? What is the sum of life? It's nothing else but the blood of Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter, if you would please. 1 Peter. And chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 18 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 18 through 21. For as much then as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by your traditions from your fathers. The law says a sum of money, a sum for ransom. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, perfect in every way who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest, evident, revealed in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God. By him. No one believes in God except God grant them that belief. By him do believe in God. That raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. That your faith and hope might be in God. What a ransom. Seeing yourself in verses 28 through 30, you've gored and you have the reputation to do it and you're wanting to get out and there's testimony against you. God has set proper boundaries by his word and the conscience of man that he implanted from birth from the very beginning. But still yet, as sinful men and as in times past, we are wont to push and push and push. Question for you in verses 28 through 30. Who set the cost? Well, let's work this problem backwards. Does the ox get to set the cost of the ransom? Don't be ridiculous. That would be, that would be absurd. That would be a ridiculous statement to say, you know what, this ox, it's one to push and there's testimony against it and it deserves to die. Let me ask the ox what will be fair for his crimes. That's what religion is. Oh, if you do this and say so many Hail Marys and point this way five times a day and repeat this magic prayer, you can set the cost of your ransom. That sounds foolish, doesn't it? Of course we're not going to ask the ox. It's a dumb, lower-end animal that can't do anything but be an ox and be a bad one at that. No, you're not going to ask the ox. 
And no, parents, we don't go to our children and ask them what appropriate punishments are either, do we? Has God ever come to you and said, what would be an appropriate chastisement for your rebellion? Did he ever ask you that? He asked David that, and that was a very special occasion. That's not typically what happens. He showed great mercy toward David, and many people died. Does the offensive owner, does he set the cost here? Verse 30, if it be laid on him or a sum of money, does, does he get to say, you know what? It was my animal, and uh, I know your dad's dead, but you know all I got is 10 bucks in my pocket. That'll do. Would he be able to do that? No. No. The offended sets the cost according to the agreement of the judges. Again, look back at verse 22. As the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. So the offended, the offended in verses 28 through 30, set the sum in accordance with the law. How does God Almighty set the, the ransom for sinners being the offended? How does he do that? We well, did it to his satisfaction according to the law. The wages of sin is death. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, he says, In the day you eat that, you're going to die. Romans 5, 12, we read it. Adam ate it. He sinned and by sin by death and, and, and death passed upon all men. God has the right to set his grievance against sin as being offended. And gladly the Lord ransoms his people. Glad, gladly he does. You know, he does it in a glad way. In, in our memory verses, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where, uh, look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher for our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A ransom. He died. The sum. He fulfilled the sum according to the law to the pleasure of God. He shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. You can read further in Ezekiel chapter 33 that God has no pleasure in the judgment of the wicked, meaning he is never satisfied by it. He is pleased to judge sin, but it's never under satisfaction. It never ends. But the judgment of God upon Jesus Christ, was satisfied. It came to a completion. He did it. It was paid in full. And he didn't just pay it in full. Look back at our text. He shall give for the ransom of his life. So because Christ died and provided that true ransom, the offender, the offender lives. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. You should call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Speaking of this same Christ. Luke chapter 2. Verses 10 and 11. 
And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, Jew and Gentile. Those that are out of the way, those that have a reputation and are wont to sin. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the one that would take away the sins of his people. Further in the book of Luke, chapter 19. Luke 19 and verse number 10. After Nicodemus, the Lord had had followed him back to his house, and people had exception with that. And the Lord says, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. How did he do it? How? If there be laid on him a sum of money, then shall he give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. Putting these ideas together, the just weight of, of Proverbs chapter 11, the exact amount according to the wanting to push, the sinfulness requiring death was paid by Jesus Christ so that the offender can go free. And that wasn't out of his checkbook or pocketbook or he didn't take out a loan. That was his own blood that was shed as a ransom to give the guilty life. The guilty ox and the negligent owner go free at the expense of the ransom. Do you have any to pay? Can you pay the ransom? Can you pay that ransom? Being the responsible owner, again, it's not God's fault we sin. That's right. But in the responsibility of ownership, it is very much my fault when I sin. It is very much my fault. Children of God, in due diligence, practice responsibility of ownership. In a practical way, know the capabilities and behaviors and, and safety precautions for your possessions, whether animals or vehicles or children or whatever. Establish proper protections for your neighbor and for society and your possessions. But also be reminded you are a beast, as like I am, with a terrible nature and a terrible record and a terrible inclination that whatever binding there is, whether by the word of God and by the conscience that he has so given me, I rebel against that and desire to break over that unto harm and destruction. That is not God's fault. But praise God, he ransomed unto life. Praise God, he gave for the ransom of my life whatsoever was laid upon him. And that's exactly what he did at Calvary. My sins were laid upon him. And he gave that ransom of his own blood for my life. Give all thanks to God for the blessed riches of his grace and mercy. Do you see the grace and mercy there in verse 30? I deserve to die. There was a record against me, and I am prone to push. I am want to push. Christ gave his life a ransom that I might live. Consider heavily the cost of your ransom, as I consider heavily the cost of mine. And what true depths of depravity. You might say, well, I'm I'm, I'm no ox. I'm no ox. Well, you're right, you're worse. 
I don't believe that they're going to be oxen judged in eternity. But human beings will. Did you know that human beings are the lowest form of creation? You ever think about that? Human beings are the lowest form of creation. Name a lower form of creation that has sinned against God. That's right. Angels have sinned against God. Men have sinned against God. In Luke chapter 2, it says, Glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill toward men on earth. That's the highest and the lowest. There is no lower form of creation than a man. Oxes die, they don't go into judgment. Human beings do. Why? Because we're so low and so depraved. But by his death, by the ransom of his death, his death, the sum of his blood was reckoned as mine unto life. His death was reckoned as mine. It was laid on him the sum of my offenses. Not one slide. Not one let go. Not one excuse. The sum of my offenses. And that exact ransom brings life according to his gospel. Thank God. Sinner, you have sinned. You have sinned and you are want to sin. It is your nature and tendency to be sinful. No, it isn't. There's your line. It's your want and your nature, your tendency to be sinful. You are to blame and not God. It is your record of sin, not His. You have been told and it's not hidden from Him. You have been given boundaries according to the Word of God and the conscience that is written in your heart. He has reasonably set boundaries and restraint. And yet you continue on wanting to push and to push and to push and rebel against God. You will bear the blame. And it won't be shared. As the owner, the Lord has responsibility of ownership to deal with his creation. He can't let it slide. Again, verse 28, who was the one doing the stoning? I believe it was the owner. I believe it was the owner that would stone in verse 28. Wasn't it God that cast him out of the garden? I believe that just before in verse 29, the owner were put to death, that he was also going to, to kill that animal that was guilty. He would have been held to that. That's what I believe. But God cannot let sin slide. You see, if, the, if you are want to push, and God Almighty knows your sinful condition, and He has given you His law and put, his, put a conscience in your, in, your, in your mind and in your heart, and you continue on and He were not to punish you, then He would be a negligent owner. I don't believe God to be a negligent owner. He will not let it slide. The wages of sin is death. I tell you how much he won't let sin slide. And we've seen this before in Romans chapter 8. How much will God Almighty not let sin slide? Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, 
but delivered him up for us all, that us all as the believers, the elect. You can read through. Don't start Romans chapter. Don't start the book of Romans in chapter eight, verse thirty-two. He's already discussed justification and all. But I want you to hear that he's spreading on his own son. But delivered us up, him up for, or in exchange, a substitution for us all. What does that mean? The sum, the sum of someone's sin will be paid for. Whether by that animal unto death, whether by you unto death, or by ransom in Jesus Christ unto life. He spared not his own son. What in the world is he going to do with you? He didn't let Christ slide. It wasn't his sin, but when sin was laid on him, he didn't let Christ slide. What is he going to do to you? You know, there's people I really love, but I don't love them nothing like what the Father loves the Son. What will he do to you? The Lord was pleased to provide a sum of a ransom. That, that, that should be sung throughout the ages, and it will be. It should be sung in our lives today. It was, the, it was not the works of man. It was not the works of man that brought ransom. It was not the philosophies and the thinking of men. No, there is freedom and life only in the fit ransom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fit ransom. If it be laid on him a sum of money. I didn't have anything to pay. One world, as a sinful man, how in the world could I pay for my sin? I mean, I can't. I don't even know if I could make bail, let alone <laughs> pay for my sin. Sinner, how are you going to pay for your sin? With what? If they believe on him a sum, what do you have that is appropriate to ransom your soul? You are wont to push. It has testified against you. And you have pressed against the boundaries of law and conscience. What is appropriate to ransom your soul? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What ransom? Hallelujah, Jesus ransomed me. I call you to the Lord Jesus Christ, that fit substitute, that fit ransom, that only one, that only one, that can give for the ransom of life whatsoever was laid upon him. And he did it, crying, it is finished. It is finished. I encourage you to repent. See yourself as guilty. See yourself as worthy of death. See Christ as the lone and only Savior. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.